It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And welcome into the Virtual Bible Study. We're glad you are a part of it tonight. This is the Virtual Bible Study for September 25th, 2008. We're live on your computer tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight on the Virtual Bible Study. We always look forward to it on Thursday night. It's our regular Internet Bible study group that gets together each week. We've got a lot of regular listeners, and I think probably tonight we've got some new listeners, Jacob. Well, it is uh, good to have all of you listening tonight. We do uh, appreciate you listening, and we look forward to your participation in the program tonight. You do so by dialing 877-381-4567. That is a toll-free number, 877-381-4567, or by emailing your questions or comments to questions at collegeview.com. And you're sounding better tonight, Dad. Yeah, we've done a little soundproofing in our room. We've, we've got a new room. Those of you who have been longtime listeners noticed that we have moved from what was my office before where we've done the program for over three years, and we've moved into a, a permanent room here in, in, the, in our uh, church building, and we're trying to set it up so it just stays set up. We don't have to tear down everything and pull the wires apart each week. But our problem uh, for the last several weeks has been that we've been getting quite a bit of an echo, and so hopefully we've helped that and uh, getting a little better sound quality. And part of the reason for removing, and if you're listening in the archive version, you may not realize this, we stream live video on Thursday night during the live program. And so if you're listening now, you likely see our uh, image on your computer screen that's not available in the archive at this point but just in the live uh, format so we would encourage you if you're interested in watching what you see to tune in live on thursday evenings at eight o'clock central time also joining us tonight is a member of the church here at college U. anthony Petrochko is back on the program good to have you back Anthony. Hey, thanks it's good to be back it's been a while and i always look forward to uh participating and uh, discussing god's word and it's always uh it's always a stimulating time. Well, and it's good. To it. It's good to have you here. Know that you've got other things you could be doing tonight. But appreciate you uh, participating in the program tonight. We've got an interesting topic planned out, and no doubt a topic that's going to generate quite a bit of interest. I want to talk about the upcoming election. Not a political discussion tonight, but we want to talk uh, about a, a scriptural and authoritative type of discussion about one of the candidates. About three weeks ago, Jacob, we put out a question, and we've been asking people to give us their their feedback on this question. We've never had a question out there for as long as we have had this one, anticipating a discussion about the upcoming presidential election. Specifically, we we're asking about Sarah Palin. Uh, we know that uh, John McCain, the Republican nominee for president, chose a woman, Sarah Palin, to be his running mate. And when he did that, some of us immediately were aware of the fact that there would be concern in the parts of on the minds of several people as to whether that'd be an appropriate thing or not for a woman to hold such an office. And would it be appropriate for Christians to vote for her to hold that office? We knew that'd be an issue on people's minds. So we put the question out about three weeks ago. And, Jacob, we've gotten more response to this question really than anything we've ever done before. Actually, part of that's due to the fact that we've tried a new format. We were able to put out a 
uh, a little bit different kind of a polling mechanism. But we've got a lot of response. We've been watching it, and uh, yesterday and today especially, the responses have really be, been coming in. All day today we were running uh, 19% against voting for Palin, 81% for voting for her. And uh, the no's have actually caught up a little bit with the yeses right now. Right now we're at even 20% says no, they can't vote for a woman, and 80% says yes. And we've got a lot of responses. And, it's st- and that poll's still out there, by the way, on our website. You can see that poll. If you haven't responded, go ahead and give us your opinion right now, and we'll keep that number running throughout the program tonight. Um, but uh, in response to our question, what we're finding is about four out of every five Christians respondents says, yes, they could vote for a woman in such an office. About 20% are saying no. So we want to talk about that. What about this election, this upcoming election, and the fact that a woman has been nominated for the vice presidential position on the Republican side of the election? Now, Jacob, I want us to make it absolutely very clear that we are not here to talk about politics tonight. We're not here to talk about whether we favor Sarah Palin's particular political views or whether we don't agree. That's a completely different question. We're not here to discuss politics. We're here to discuss the moral question as to whether or not it is in God's plan for a woman to hold such a position as that. We will not get into political discussion tonight. Uh, You can try and tempt us along those lines, but we're not going in that direction tonight. We're only going to talk about uh, whether or not uh, the scriptures permit a woman to hold a position like that and if it is acceptable for a christian to vote to put a woman into that position so really two questions two issues before us is it acceptable for a, a woman to hold a position like that number one number two is it acceptable for a christian to vote to put a woman into that position i guess that would really depend on partly yeah, depend yeah. on the answer, answer number one yeah. but now one thing that's not an issue tonight dad is not uh, whether or not a woman is inferior to a man. None of us here tonight believe that. Um, we don't believe the scriptures well, you know, teach that, and uh, we believe that uh, all, that all are equal. Jacob, recently we we did two programs. One week we did it on the man's role in God's plan, and the next week we did it on the woman's role. I think it was, yeah, I believe the next week was on the woman's role in God's plan. And we pointed out at that time, we believe firmly that God does not hold men or women to be more valuable one over the other. We cited passages like Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, beginning, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And so we believe firmly that women are of equal value to God. We also believe, though, that God clearly has given men and women different roles to perform. And that's probably at the heart of this question. Anthony, I think we're, what we're really talking about is, is it in God's plan for a woman to have that position? It's not. The question is not, is she uh, intellectually as smart? Is, is, is she perhaps as qualified to do the job uh, from a political standpoint? Uh, you know, it's not a question of, of worth or value or intelligence. It's a question of whether it's in God's plan or not. Right. And, you know, it's kind of unfortunate that we have to make sort of that disclaimer because I think a, a lot of uh, people who who want to use the Bible as their authority for spiritual things and for moral things, uh, they get a bad rap. You know, people seem to think that they think women are inferior. But certainly, 
you know, we're here to, you know, discuss what the Bible has to say about it and to, to discern God's will on the matter and to do God's will. And as Greg said, the Bible is clear in, in giving men and women different roles in different situations. And so we want to make sure that, that we're doing the right thing. All right. The number to call is 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. You likely have an opinion on this subject, and we'd like to hear from you. The phone is open now, and you are welcome to call. We'd like to hear from you on the phone at 877-381-4567. That number's toll-free. We'll pay the bill tonight. We look forward to hearing from you on the phone, or we'll look forward to hearing from you on email as well. We've got a long list of emails to discuss tonight, but uh, this is a subject uh, that's gaining attention in the religious world, Dad. It's uh, not something that's not a question that we're the only ones asking uh, there are other people in the religious world who are asking that as well. I think that's right. It came across, in fact, uh, one of our regular listeners, Randy, up in Missouri, sent me a link to uh, an interview with a Dr. David Gushy. I think that's the way you say that, distinguished university professor of Christian ethics at Mercer University. And this uh, survey with him, or this interview with him, was quoted in USA Today recently. And uh he says the Bible calls women to specific roles in the church and home, but does not prohibit them from exercising leadership in secular political fields. Even though the Bible reserves final authority in the church for men, this does not apply in the kingdoms of this world. God's design for male headship in the home and the church does not require the exclusion of women from leadership in public life where spiritual headship is not involved. He goes on to say, we hold a high view of women and assert that women are capable of serving as president of the United States and inevitably will. It is not a question of ability, but a recognition that the Bible reserves for men the final teaching and ruling authority in the church. He goes on to say, the nomination of Palin offers conservative Christian leaders the chance to rethink, notice this, a chance to rethink an archaic theology vision that wounds millions of devout Christian women and restricts the full exercise of their gifts. Pretty clear where that guy's coming from. He thinks that women should have that role. Uh, and he says that anybody who opposes that view, now I, I really don't want us to get to that level, but he says anybody who opposes that view has an archaic theological vision. I'm not going to say that about people who would oppose, conscientiously oppose a woman serving in that position. I, I uh, I don't think that, that kind of rhetoric is very helpful in a discussion like this. But anyway, it's pretty clear where that guy's coming from. So what we're saying, Jacob, and I, I've seen I, I t- uh, earlier someone, uh, 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 a friend in Indiana, sent a link to a YouTube video in which there was discussion. It was actually a, a clip from a CNN segment where they had two people debating this. One was an evangelical pastor. That's what he called himself. And he was taking the view that women could not serve in such a role and then they, on the counterpoint, they had a, a, another woman who was arguing that they could. So it's clearly a topic that's out there, and people are discussing it a lot. All right, and we look forward to you discussing it with us as well. We have an email from Branson, and Branson says, quote, I know I'm in the minority, but I don't think it's appropriate for a Christian to vote at all. That wasn't an option in your two questions, so I thought I'd just communicate it to you so you'd know. It seems most Christians assume that it is okay to vote, but if I understand Romans 13 and other passages, God determines who is in office. I would never... I would have never voted for Bill Clinton, but God raised him up, as in Pharaoh, uh, Syria, and others. Had I voted against Bill Clinton, I would have been on the other side of God's intentions. So, what do you think about that? Well, uh, Branson is saying that he doesn't think it's right for Christians to vote. We might just make a point of that. You know, that's not an unheard of position. 
I found a quote from David Lipscomb, who lived a long time ago, and he wrote, uh, he was a Christian in the 19th century, and he wrote a book entitled Civil Government, and he took the positions that Christians ought not to vote. He contended that since the Bible teaches that God rules in the kingdoms of men and puts in office those he chooses, and he references Daniel chapter 221 and chapter 4, verse 17, Christian people ought to leave the matter to him and remain aloof from the political process. And and then uh, the one who cited this said others argued that long before Lipscomb did. So it is not an unheard of position to say that to question whether or not we ought to even be voting as Branson did. Uh, we'd be glad to take your input on that. But I, I'm of the opinion that we can vote. I don't find any prohibition against that in the scripture. In fact, I think there's a biblical principle that would indicate that we ought to exercise what influence we can uh, toward being salt and light in our society. Uh, I reference what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, beginning year, the salt of the earth. But if the salt lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I would think that Jesus' principle there of us being salt and light in our society would indicate that we ought to use whatever mechanisms are available to us to be an influence for good. And if we can, vote for uh, political candidates that will help preserve the morality of our society, I think we should. We know that the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts in chapter chapter 25 of Acts, uh, Paul called upon his rights as a Roman citizen, and and he exercised those rights as a Roman citizen when, when his life was in danger in particular. And so I would argue that that would indicate that Christians can exercise their rights as citizens, and Jesus taught us to be a, an influence for positive things in our culture. And on those bases, I would say that I don't see any reason that we should not vote. In fact, I think we probably should when we conscientiously can. All right. The number to call is 877-381-4567-QUESTIONS at collegeview.com. We're looking forward to hearing from you tonight. Now, that being said, Anthony, if someone had a problem with voting, didn't think it was the right thing to do, we certainly would not want to influence them to violate their conscience. It's perfectly acceptable for them not to vote. But yeah, I, uh, I, if, 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 if that's, you know, contrary to their conscience. I agree. I, I, I think, you know, I totally echo Greg's comments on the last point. Um, I do t- agree that a Christian should not violate his or her conscience on any issue. Uh, in, in so doing, then you, you're going to render your conscious conscience uh, uh, worthless. Um, on the issue of whether, yeah, I'm I'm not quite sure about the issue of whether you should abstain from voting um, if you don't if you can't find a proper candidate. Uh, almost on the same point that Greg makes, I think we should, uh, you know, use our influence uh, to do good, to do the most good that we can. Um, However, yeah, I, if that's going to cause you to violate your conscience, I'm not sure I would, would suggest that. Not at all. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. We're running 22% no, can't vote for Sarah Palin, 78% say yes. All right, the no's are picking up steam. Yeah. Uh, let us know your thoughts. If you haven't registered your vote yet, please do. 
Uh, we would ask you, though, if you have already voted, don't uh, skew the results one way or the other. Uh, but uh, we'll take a short no, no break. No fair padding the vote. No, you can't pad the vote. Uh, we're we're going to have a we're going to have a, a, a clean election tonight or clean uh, survey. We're going to take a short break, and we'll we'll be right back after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. (laughs) And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. (laughs) And at 9 o'clock, it's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 128. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. Hello, my name's Jeffrey Vernon. I'm 13 and this is the Virtual Bible Study. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. We are looking forward to your participation as we talk about Sarah Palin. And we're not having a political discussion tonight. We're not having a discussion on the worth or value of women. Uh, that is not under question at all. Uh, women are just as uh, valuable to God as a man. They're just as uh, qualified as a man may intellectually and uh, they're they're not inferior to men. We're talking about what God has uh, given us, what roles God has given us, and whether or not a woman could assume a role of leadership like uh, the role of vice president. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com are the ways you can participate in the program tonight. We have an email from Brad. You ready to start down the list sure, of our emails? Let's get into these emails. Brad in Athens, Alabama says... Other candidates have been divorced. He talks about he wants to know if we're applying a double standard here. He says other candidates have been divorced and remarried, not exactly Christian, and otherwise less moral than I should hope. Yet I gave them my vote because I thought they were the lesser of two evils. It is clear that the scriptures forbid that she ought to seek even the executive position she has had until now, not to mention the vice presidency. Furthermore, Titus, for one, makes it clear that she ought to be at home rearing up her newborn and other children. So, Brad would say she can she should not assume that role because of her other responsibilities as a woman, but he says he could vote for her, so we'll put him in the yes column. One of the things that he said there is a response that we we got a lot from different ones who gave us their their uh, think sos here, and he uses the expression the lesser of two evils. Now there's a couple of things he mentions there. He says other candidates have been divorced, remarried, and so forth. Uh, not as moral as he would like, but he gave them their vote because they were the lesser of two evils. I had an email. I had a rather long email uh, correspondence back and forth with a friend in Cookville, Tennessee, Jacob. Mark and I corresponded quite a bit earlier this week. He said basically the same thing. He said, I never fully agree with any candidate, either personally or politically. It's always a lesser of two evils. That's There's that expression again. Can you vote for someone 
who's been unscripturally divorced and remarried? Can you vote for someone whose family owns a beer distributorship? Can you vote for someone who will not limit abortion at any time? Can you vote for a Muslim? Um, now, in response to that, here's what I wrote him. And I, I'll put this out there. Anthony, you comment on this, too. I said, I have to disagree with your lesser of two evils approach. If something is wrong, I can't participate in it, even if the alternative is also an unpleasant outcome. In this case, if it's wrong to place a woman in such a position, and that's a point still to be proven one way or the other, then I can't say that I'd rather have that moral error rather than the moral error of abortion. If it's wrong, it's wrong, and there's no relativity in the matter. I'm sure we would be inclined to view abortion as worse than a woman in in a position of authority over a man, but does God view it that way? I don't. If he does, I don't know where I'd go to prove that. In other words, our assumption is abortion is way worse than having a woman in a position of authority over men. That's our thinking. That's uh, I, 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 Certainly we're all appalled about abortion. But if something's morally wrong in God's estimation, I don't think we can say God would view abortion worse than some other moral, fa- you know, uh, improper moral position. Uh, I, I think that's the thing. And then... Uh, just let me go a little bit further. I'm not going to read all this. It's too long. But uh, um, Mark replied, uh, he says, I'm talking about candidates with checkered past of almost all the candidates that run for public office. It seems that there's always been something in their past that I don't agree with. Uh, he goes on to say, in, in almost all modern presidential administrations, women have been given prominent positions of authority. They have pla- they've been placed in charge of whole departments. I'm 99% sure that anyone who is elected president will continue to do this. Is this right or wrong? Is it wrong to vote for a man who has a woman as VP pick? Then wouldn't be wrong to vote for them if they intend to have women as cabinet members or department leaders. Where do we draw the line? Uh, Here's my answer. I said a president's potential appointments are unknown at the time of the voting, but in this case to vote for McCain-Palin is an affirmation of her in that position. Agreed that all candidates have a checkered past, but in this case, we have to decide not solely on the character of an individual candidate, but on a specific moral question. And that question is, is it in God's plan for a woman to hold such a position? Uh, Voting solely on the basis of of the moral questions of abortion. I said I, I couldn't vote for a particular candidate solely on the basis of the moral questions of abortion and same sex marriage. Even if I liked what he stood for and everything else, I could not conscientiously vote for him because of those moral considerations. I think the vote for Palin has to be judged at this same level. In other words, I think a lot of us are saying I couldn't vote for some candidates in an election because of their position on abortion. I couldn't vote for some candidates for their because of their position on same-sex marriage. Those are moral considerations. You know, that, that, we, that guy might be an upstanding moral individual, but if he takes those erroneous moral positions, I couldn't vote for him conscientiously. You, I think this Palin question is, is a moral question at that level. Well, we still haven't proven that, and we, right. need, to, we need to prove that. If you'd like to take up that issue, give us a call right now at 877-381-4567. That's toll-free for you tonight. We'll pay the bill. But let's assume that this scenario, Dad, let's say you're having someone come to work on your house. And you have hired an alcoholic brick mason before. You didn't know it when you hired him. But I you, have. I you, have. You, uh, yeah. That's what I'm yeah. saying. You have hired an alcoholic brick mason. You didn't know that when you hired him. Right. And, and so, but you were you were hiring a brick mason. But let's say he advertised as alcoholic brick masons are us. 
and you are looking for a brickmates, are you going to lend your approval to that that type of activity? You're not by by hiring a brick mason who's an alcoholic. You're not necessarily saying I agree with your lifestyle, but when he's putting that out there in front of you and saying I'm an alcoholic and I'm a brick mason, hire me. You don't want to lead. You don't want to give your approval to that type of lifestyle. And this would be similar. You might you might uh, elect someone who may take a position you would disagree with once they become in office. But at this at this level, it seems almost that you're you're giving your approval to the position that she's going to assume. If it's right or if it's wrong, we need that's, to that's right. I think I think if the vote here on this question is going to be a, a a vote of either affirming her or not as her right to hold that position. In other words, again, we're not talking about her politics. You may agree or disagree with her politics, and I'm not even going to say where I am. I imagine many people who are listening know where I am on those political questions. But I'm, we're not talking about that. It's not a question of whether we accept her political point of views or not. It's a question of whether we believe that she can morally hold that position, whether it would be in harmony with God's will for her to do so. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. We really are begging the issue, though, begging the question, Dad, does she have the right to have that position? And I think we'll get into that, uh, maybe some of the more emails, or you want to go ahead and get into that well, now? Well, let me get one email real quick. Uh, Arthur in Cullioka, Tennessee, has written in and referenced Romans 14. 22 and 23, where it talks about, this is in line with what you said, Anthony, about honoring our conscience in all such matters. It says, hast thou faith, have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And that's the passage that we often reference to say, you got to honor your conscience. If you, and that, and that, that, that verse may be especially applicable in this because there may be some of our listeners who have a little bit of a twinge of their conscience when they think about voting uh, for Sarah Palin for that position. They may not know exactly if it's okay. Dad, and if we can't do it in faith, knowing that it is acceptable and the right thing to do, we need to abstain. Yeah, I think you got to be you got to have your mind made up on that. You should if if you have doubts, you should not do it. We have an email from Nellie. Nellie says that uh, she believes it is uh, okay to vote for Sarah Palin because she believes it is the lesser of two evils. Same well, argument that, uh, well, that Brad that, made. That phrase came up a lot, and I want you to notice a couple of other things that Nellie said in her email. Uh, this is he, uh, um, the question: is which is the lesser of two evils, an authoritative woman or a man that does not believe that God is our God? Uh, she thinks that it's important for Christians to band together in this election. Um, again, you know, I think that's. I I don't want to be I don't want to uh, to hurt anybody's feelings by saying this, but it seems to me like that's applying our our wisdom to the thing. To us, it seems a lesser of two evils. I'm not I'm not sure that God. Views anything as a lesser of two evils. If it's evil, it's evil. And does would God put us in a sort of a catch twenty two scenario where I've got to violate my conscience? I got to violate what I believe the scriptures teach on a subject to vote for a person who I think would be better for the country? Would God put me in a in that kind of tension where I, I, I I'm I'm going to sin either way that I that I go here? I, I don't think so. I I, I just I I'm. Not comfortable with with the phrase the lesser of two evils, Anthony. If it's evil, it's evil. You right. Know? I think we've and we've kind of already touched on this. I think uh, the issue has to be: Can you, in good faith, vote for a woman to assume that role? I think that's the pivotal issue here. To me, that's and, the whole issue. Right. Well, it has to be in this discussion because if if we get into this lesser of two evils thing, then it's really a circular argument. 
It is. It is. We we do need we need to we need to get into that that question of uh, whether or not it is scriptural. Along those lines, Randy in Missouri has said, "I see no reason in Scripture to prohibit a woman from fulfilling that role. The Bible is silent on women in any supervisory role, except in the family and the church." When in authority over men. Now, do I think it is best for Palin to be the vice president? It is not the ideal situation for a mother of three children at home to be a time-consuming job outside the home. Uh, a mother of three children at home to have a time-consuming job outside the home, however, along the same line, is not a good for a father or husband to be a truck driver, traveling salesman, or a soldier in Iraq either. However, we don't live in a perfect world. I have been asked to decide between two sets of candidates. One candidates, one set supports most of the values I support, and the other set is contrary to most of what I believe. One of the foremost issues for me is abortion. Given that choice, I'll support the ticket with the woman. I guess I'd prefer all four candidates be single men, but that's not going to happen. All right, but, we appreciate it, Randy, for that feedback. Randy's Randy's uh, bottom line there is that that he views the abortion thing as important, and I do too. I mean, that's I I just can't vote for a candidate that's going to promote abortion. I just can't and won't. I mean, that's just that's just all there is to that. I don't care what political party they're a member of. If they're going to if they're going to endorse and promote abortion, I'm not going to vote for them. That's just bottom line. But again, what we've got to be careful is, is saying abortion is a more important issue to God than any other issue is. It's important to us. And it's a very emotional argument, Anthony, but we can't say that one moral issue is more important to God than another. Right, and I, I appreciate Randy's comments, and I, and I agree with most of what he's saying. I think maybe if, if he would have just uh, stopped <laughs> when he was talking about whether or not the woman has the authority to be in that position, I think the, the other points he made regarding abortion and so forth in this particular scenario I don't think are really germane to the – the conversation. We need to take a break, and when we get back, we will continue the discussion, and the phone line is still open. We're waiting for your call. We're running, still running 20 to, 22% no, 78% yes. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. From time to time, as we listen to sermons or attend Bible classes, something will be said with which we disagree. What should we do when this happens? First, be sure that you properly understood what was said. It might be that you simply did not hear what the other person was saying. Changing a single word can sometimes drastically alter the meaning of a sentence. Also, expressions taken out of context can lead to conclusions that were never intended. Take notes. Re-listen to the sermon on tape. Study the scriptures that were referenced in the lesson. Many potential problems will be resolved in this way. Additionally, give the benefit of doubt to your brother who's doing the teaching. Love actually demands this, according to 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5. Do not automatically assume the worst. If questions linger, it's best to go directly to the one who has done the teaching. Too often we complain or criticize to others, but never go to the one who supposedly made the error. This is simply not right. Wait for a good opportunity. And by the way, right after the lesson in front of other people is usually not the best time. Or why not set up an appointment? Calmly discuss your concerns with the man face to face. If we do this, the vast majority of misunderstandings will be quickly settled. Finally, in the few cases where the matter is not remedied by these initial steps, it will be necessary to press the matter further. If error has been taught, we cannot remain quiet. We must oppose and expose false teaching. Galatians chapter 2, verse 5 and verses 11 through 13. But even in this type of situation, we should be careful to conduct ourselves in a way that will make it easy for the erring brother to acknowledge his mistake and make correction. 2 Timothy 2, verses 20 
25 and 26. Disagreements are certain to arise. Let's be sure we handle all such situations properly as we endeavor to, quote, keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Ephesians 4, verse 3. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile, in South America. And I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. Gracias. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. We're glad you're a part of it. And we hope that you will participate at 877-381-4567 or emailing questions at collegeview.com. We have a call from Keith on the program tonight. Hello, Keith. Welcome to the virtual Bible study. Okay. So do I need to turn off my computer? There's, I guess, a lag. Yeah, you need to turn it down, Keith. Turn it down? Okay. Just a little bit, if you don't mind. I don't want to mess you guys up. Um, Now, you're going to hear yourself here in a minute, Keith. (laughs) Hmm? Okay, there we go. Keith, where are you calling from tonight? I'm calling from Lakeport, California. California, all right. Well, thanks for listening over on the other side of the continent tonight. And I just had some kind of some some ideas about scriptures. I've heard what you've uh, been saying about, uh, you know, having tr- trouble with the the term lesser lesser of two evils, and it's certainly not something that we see in scripture. And we would, you know, we don't want to have to support, you know, anything that's wrong in any way. Um, I was. Uh, thinking about Matthew 23, 23, where Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and saying that they had uh, basically ignored the weightier matters of the law. And of course, in that you know that context, he's talking to you know he's talking to people under the old covenant. Um, but you know, it's certainly he says these you should have done, um, like the justice and mercy. And I laid my Bible down. I should be quoting it to you. Um, Let me read it, Keith. He well, said, it, yeah, let, go ahead. He says in Matthew twenty three twenty three, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. Right. So he's, he's definitely not telling us to disregard the details, um, but this may be this may be an a, example of you know, of maybe some, some judgment call on our parts and catching the, um, you know, the, the spirit of things. Um, so now... So I've, let, never, I've never talked in this kind of forum, so I'm a bit nervous. Well, Keith, let me, uh, ask, you, let me ask you a question, Keith. Right. Now, I want to make sure I understand what you're saying. Are you saying that that maybe these moral questions like abortion or same-sex marriage are weightier matters and that... That the question of whether a woman or uh, could serve or not is a lesser matter is that is that am I interpreting you right? Yeah, I mean, I just uh, I, I preach over here at the with the Lakeport Church of Christ, and um, recently I, I preach a sermon on whether we should vote, and I actually contend that it's our God-given responsibility to vote. Um, and these issues like uh, abortion. Um, and marriage, they they go all the way back to you know Genesis one and Genesis uh, two um, before you know any formal law is given. Um, there's the creation of life itself, and there's the institution of marriage. And well, I got to agree with you that I think those are really huge issues, and 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 I'll go so far as to say that I just 
don't understand how a Christian could vote for a candidate who is avowing that he will support abortions, right. ab- all abortions, even late-term abortions, even partial birth abortions, and mm-hmm. who will support legislation guaranteeing the rights of same-sex marriage. I don't see how you can vote for somebody who is taking those moral positions. I agree with you absolutely right. on that. Mm-hmm. The, uh, so we're on the same page there. But the, 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 this is this is also a moral. Though. Yeah, this is all the, the question of a woman and her rightful position in God's plan is also a moral question. So yep. I, I, right. I, I'm not comfortable saying that's less important to God than the others are. I think right. that that's. I would, ju- I would just suggest. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead. I, I would just suggest that. Uh, withholding a vote from from her is uh, tantamount to giving a vote to uh, our other candidate, and so if you can be at, if you can be at peace with that, um, then well, I'm not really at then, peace with I'm not at peace with any of it uh, to tell you the truth. Right. I've never. Do you, see, do you see what I mean? I, mean, I, yeah. I see what you mean, Keith. But it could, yeah. Ever since I've had the uh, privilege of voting in presidential elections, this this election is different than any other that has that I've ever known, uh-huh. uh, and I'm not comfortable with any of the candidates. I'm not comfortable with their positions, and right. and, and I'm not comfortable with this question on the woman in a, in in a high office. But it's it's definitely a different election than we faced in the past. So my my question is: Does God put us in a position where we've got to do we've got to sin, or we would have right. to, where we'd have to do something contrary to His will? Or contrary yeah, to your conscience, it, it gets right. it's sort of it's into that sort of that situation ethics. If if I'm on a plane and we've got there's three people on the plane and we only got two parachutes, you know who do who, you know, it sort of gets into that situation ethics kind of thing where mm-hmm. this is this is less bad than the other, so we'll do the less right. bad. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your comments, Keith, and it is it is something to think about. Uh, I don't – you know, it's interesting in that text that you cited in Matthew twenty three twenty three. Jesus said that the Pharisees were guilty of omitting the weightier matters of the law. They had been paying attention to little details like paying tithe of their garden herbs. Mm-hmm. But I right. think it's – I've always thought it was interesting there. Jesus did not condemn them for paying attention exactly. to the details. He just said you got to get you got to get serious about these things. And when he mentioned the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith – those things are harder. It's, those things you got to pay. You got to work harder to develop the right stance on all those issues. Yeah, they're so broad. But but he did not condemn them for for paying close attention to the details either. I think he really wants That's us right. to do both. Hey Keith, I don't want to put you on the spot, but uh, the broader subject, the broader question, still hasn't been answered. Or we haven't really discussed it directly. Do you think that uh, Sarah Palin has authority from God to hold the position of vice president? Well. Um... You know, I thought about Proverbs 31, and obviously uh, you have a picture there of she's still taking care of her responsibilities at, at home. And I, you know, should she be, you know, is is the place for her to be in front, you know, taking this kind of responsibility on when she has, you know, when she has children still in the home? Um, I do, I, I have trouble with that. But it's it's one of those it's one of those things where you have trouble. Either way you go, you should always have trouble. I mean, I I I've had trouble with like you know just about every candidate because I've got a I've got a pretty strict uh, idea of what um, what a, a biblical Christian is, and, and you know I'd like to see a biblical Christian in there, but I'm, I don't think I'm I'm not sure I'm ever going to see one 
you know, in in the Oval Office, and so it's uh, it becomes you know it becomes a a judgment call, and we hate to throw that lesser of two evils because yeah. it's like we're doing it's like we're doing evil no matter what. Well, it's, it's a tough call. It's a tough call for and, sure. we got to jump off of here and get to some of these okay. others. But thanks, Keith. Yeah. We really appreciate you listening out there in California. Spread the word about the virtual Bible study. Hey, Keith, how did you find no, out about it? How did you find out about us out um, there? Uh, my wife and my sister-in-law are part of a homeschool list, and somebody uh, threw, an e- threw an email out, out in there. Great, great. We're so, glad you're listening. Thank you much. Thank, thank you, Keith. Thanks, Keith. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, good to hear from Keith out in California tonight. Appreciate him being willing to, to call and discuss the subject with you. See, see, now he's an example of that. Telephone calls get top priority. If you get on the phone, we'll put you <laughs> well, right on. we got on. a whole pile of emails We've got here. all kinds of emails, but we'll yeah. put you on if you call us. Yeah, that's right. right. 877-381-4567, and that line is open now. We're ready for your call. we got a comment from Jared in Cookville, Tennessee, who says, you need to mention an argument about nominating an unqualified elder. It's beneficial to have elders, but we can't do it if they are not qualified. So he he's saying, you know, uh, I think that's in addressing this idea of, it, you know, you got to do the lesser two of evils, which is worse, to not have elders or to have unqualified elders. We have listeners tonight, I think, who think it's un, it is impossible for her to hold this job. No, no ifs, ands, or buts. It is wrong for her to have the president, the vice presidency position. If you're listening tonight and you have that position, you believe it is wrong for a woman to hold this position, irregardless of any other scenario, let us know your thoughts at 877-381-4567. We would appreciate it if you'd call and explain to us why you believe that. Go ahead, Nancy. And then we'll get, if you'll do that, then we can clear out the space for some others who think it is right for her to have that position. So go ahead and get on the phone. Yeah, and I think the whole, uh, back to the lesser of two evils, I think I don't think that would be a question if we deal with the question of whether it's authorized. Maybe right? it's not the lesser of two evils. Maybe it's the right thing to do. Yeah, right. let's, let's, uh, real quick, let's we got an email out. from Jim in Coleman, Alabama, who says, again, it's the lesser of two evils. And he asked the question, does it make a difference that she is not a Christian? I'm going to answer that one, no. I don't think that makes any difference at all. Uh, I think the moral principles of God's word apply to Christians and non-Christians and us all. So I, I would answer No. Uh, he, he asked, uh, are, as Christians and trying to hold back the tide of sin, voting issues, are we as Christians as, 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 uh, trying to hold back the tide of sin, voting against issues or against people? He, he says, I don't think this is a, I don't think this is against a person. I think this is an issue. You know, her, this is not her personal life. Yeah. Does she go out and uh, does she use alcohol? Is she in a right um, a scriptural marriage? That's not where we're voting. We're voting the issue of whether or not it's okay for her to be in that position. So I don't think we're talking about her personally, Dad. I think we're talking to the issue of whether or not it's right for her to be yeah. in that position. Okay, we're still waiting on that call from those let's, who would think it let's, is let's, wrong, period, for that, her to have that position, 877-381-4567. Let's introduce the passages that I think we've got to discuss. We've really probably waited too long to put them on the table. Uh, we got an email from Pat in Harvest, Alabama, who says it's unscriptural for a woman to take a leadership role over a man, and he references two passages. They're the ones that we've got to address here. 1 Timothy 2, verses 11 and 12, and 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3. Let's look at that 1 Timothy 2. We'll introduce it. We might get a phone call or other emails about it. But in 1 Timothy chapter 2, um, I want to read beginning in verse 8. He says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, 
but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. I suffer not a woman to teach or usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. Pat goes on to say the context of 1 Timothy 2 is everywhere, verse 8, not just in the church. For example, are women supposed to dress modestly only in the church? I agree with Pat's analysis there, and and in discussions I've had with several different ones leading up to our program tonight, some have taken the view that 1 Timothy 2 is only talking about women and their role in the assembly. Now, the, the New Testament does clearly address the woman and her role in the assembly. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it's very clear. Uh, he says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 34, Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. I don't think we have any difference there. 1 Corinthians 14 is clearly in the church. I I don't see anything in the context of 1 Timothy chapter 2 that would say that that's applied to the assembly. If it is, for instance, then we're going to have to stop using verses 9 and 10 when we talk about modesty. Because the only thing you could use this passage for is that women have to dress modestly when they come to church, but you couldn't demand it of them any other time. When you talk about modesty, Dad, you rail on the people who will dress one way on Sunday, and then when you see them out at Walmart are dressed immodestly, you're going to have to quit making that argument. because yeah. uh, this, this only applies to the assembly. Right, okay. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Real quickly, before we get to the break, let me give let me read the other passage that, that I think Pat's right. These are the ones that the answer has to come from. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3, I would have you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. So I believe it is in God's plan that men be in positions of authority over women, women not to be in positions of authority over men. I, I think that that is not just in the church. Uh, probably, I my guess is that everybody's listening tonight would agree that that's true in the church. I think these passages suggest that, it's, that it, that's a broader principle than just in the church. We're not saying that a woman is inferior again, that is, she is less important than a man. We're just saying that there are different roles that God has placed for the two sexes. We're going to take a break, and we'll open the phones to anybody. If you think we're wrong, if you think we're right, please give us a call at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com, or you can send your emails if you don't want to talk on the phone, uh, questions at collegeview.com. We're looking forward to hearing from you. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Hello. Hey, Matt. No, I don't have any plans for Friday night. What are you doing? Oh, I won't be able to go with you to watch that movie. Because, Matt, the movie is rated R. Hey, why don't you just come over and hang out at my house Friday night? Great. I'll see you there. Being pleasing to God means that you may have to be different than the crowd. But don't be afraid to stand up for what's right. It just might find it is easier than what you expect. A message brought to you by College U Church of Christ. I'm James Buchanan from Columbia, Tennessee, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. 
And we're back. <laughs> we, uh, asleep at the switch. Falling asleep on the, at the wheel here. We Jacob, look our, latest, our latest poll numbers, 21% no and 79% yes. The yeses are making a comeback. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're looking forward to hearing from you on the phone at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Please do join in on the questions tonight. Jacob, I was just, I was just uh, uh, offering my point of view on first. Timothy too, and and Anthony's got a, a counterpoint for us there. Yeah, I mean, I, I I I agree that this is, to me, I think this is the text that has to be dealt with appropriately and, and handled properly. And and I agree that at first at first reading, I, I think it's it's easy to surmise that this would apply everywhere. And I do, you know, when we're talking about modest apparel, I think that does apply everywhere. But I don't. I don't think that the fact that modest apparel applies everywhere solidifies the context as being everywhere. I think if we start in verse 8, we're talking about, it says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath. So we have a situation, a context where we have men, and then he says in verse 9, we have men praying, and then in verse 9, he says, in like manner, sort of linking the two, we have women adorning themselves modestly. And then if we go on down to verse 12, or actually verse 11, we have learning and silence taking place. And in verse 12, we have teaching. We have the mention of teaching. Uh, I agree that, it, that 1 Corinthians 14 is clearly talking about the assembly. I really think these are sort of parallel passages. If you look at the, the argument and the way that Paul constructs it, of course, Paul's the author in both cases here. But I would say that if if the context is everywhere, then would that mean that a woman couldn't wear costly array and so forth in the privacy of her own bedroom or, uh, you know, in, in total private? Would that mean – I think if we say this is everywhere, then we would have to say that she couldn't do that. Um, and would do we – is Paul telling men to lift up holy hands everywhere – on the street corners or in a tree or you see, you know, I'm being a little I, bit facetious well, I, well, here. Well, I actually think that the, uh, wherever men pray, everywhere they pray, they should do so lifting up holy hands. In other words, if you're not living a holy life, right. don't be raising up your hands in prayer to God. I, I, I would say that that is a, 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 a truism wherever men pray. Sure. But I, I see your point yeah, of view. Yeah, I mean, I think you, I agree. And that, that, and that is, that is, I think that this is the question. Right. I think this is the text. First Timothy 2 is the text. And what we've got to decide now, I'm taking the view that I don't see it as being exclusively assembly. I think the principle set forth there would certainly apply in the assembly, but I don't see it as exclusively assembly. But you're saying you can right. you can read it that way. I think so. I think if you truly consider all the verses, like I like I said, we have in verse eight men praying, and in like manner, we have women adorning themselves in a certain way that's appropriate to the occasion. Um, and then further down, we have we have teaching taking place. I, I don't I think in order for this to I think the the phrase here not usurping authority or having dominion in order for that to be a universal principle I think you really have to really pluck this out of context in order to make this be a universally applying principle if because if the authority uh, issue is universal then the suffering not a woman to teach would have to be universal which would mean we couldn't have any women teaching anyone anytime. Well, let me ask you one question. I mean, I, I just want to ask you this for your, your opinion on it. Um, so you're saying that the, the, the instruction is limited to in a church assembly. I do. 
I do think that, that we're talking here about not necessarily uh, the assembly, but we ha- I, I think the picture being painted here is a place, as I've said, where men are praying, where women are also present. I think we're talking about a mixed situation here that whatever place this is in every place or everywhere, that there are men and women present. And uh, and I also think that we can't extricate the authority question from the teaching question. If you look at verse 12, grammatically, he says, I suffer not a woman to teach, n- comma, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. I think the nor there is a, is a conjunction that links the teaching and the dominion. I believe... The issue here is that a woman cannot teach a man in an authoritative sense, such as in an assembly, addressing the assembly, leading a Bible class. Well, I think over it would a man, be true. I think it would be true in the assembly. I, see, I, I see the text as true in the assembly. Everything oh, says true in the assembly, but, right. but but I believe that 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 verse twelve that she's not to teach or usurp authority over the man is stating a position or a role that she has that would be applicable in all the all man woman relationships. And and I actually I actually think that the last verse there, verse fifteen, where it talks about her being saved in childbearing. In other words, that's her role. Her and we'd role, appreciate it if she didn't do that in the assembly. Yeah, we don't want her <laughs> doing that in the assembly. But that, in other words, that is her role. Her role is is to bear children, to guide the home, as Titus two says, and so forth. So that, but I I, I thank you for making. Your right, point and on that because I think that is the issue. I think that's yeah. where we've got to decide this question. Right, and and I think it comes back to the conscience issue. And I think this is one of those issues where, you know, you're going to have to read this and come to your your own conclusion about it. I don't think you and I are going to fall out with each other over this right. issue. I think we need to be sure that that we understand that. Um, uh, but I also think we I, I want to see if we can deal with the issue of Deborah tonight. I, I wonder if that's coming that. up. We've got that. We, will, we, we got have that. a phone call. We, have, okay. we, we need to go down to Mississippi and welcome Jerry to the program. Jerry, thank you for calling tonight. Well, you just got to what I wanted you to talk about. That's, uh, well, that's all right. You can, you can. I just want you to address the issue of Deborah. All right. Let's the talk law, about that, Jerry. Uh, the law required from the beginning that man, the woman be in submission to man, but God allowed Deborah to judge. In fact, he raised her up to judge. Jerry, I got an email from you earlier where you mentioned Deborah, and I haven't got to your email yet. Mark in Cookville mentioned Deborah, and uh, let's see, uh, James in Columbia, Tennessee, mentioned Deborah as uh, a potential argument that would allow a woman to have such a position. Now, that's in Judges chapter 4. If we look over to Judges chapter 4, it says in, in verse 4, you still there, Jerry? I think, I think, we, lost Jerry, think we, we lost Jerry. Okay. Yeah, I hope he's listening. Jerry, I hope you're listening because so, we want to talk about this. Um, Judges 4.4, 4, Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, she judged Israel at that time, and she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in Mount Ephraim, and the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. That's Judges 4, verses 4 and 5. I think we need to be careful not to picture this as a as a judicial judge in our kind of legal system. The the word judge or the judges of this time, it says in fact that she was a prophetess. She was an inspired person of God. She was she was delivering God's message. She was delivering God's judgment. The people came to her, and she gave them God's answer to whatever dilemma they p- placed before her. It was a time when the children of Israel had been oppressed, and God was using Deborah to to reveal His message to them and to give them His judgments. But I think it is is quite notable. Uh, that when there was 
leadership to be done that a man did that. When when they went to war, uh, it, it says that she sent, verse 6, she sent and called Barak, the son of, of Benoam, and and he, and you can all read the whole text, but he led the army of Israel into battle and was victorious. By the way, I don't know, Anthony, you think it's an omen that his name was Barak? I had the exact same thought. <laughs> like, is this some sort of sign? <laughs> but right. anyway, my, my view on, on the Deborah question is certainly she was an inspired prophetess of God and she was delivering God's judgments to the people. No doubt about that. But it is interesting that this is the unique case. Among all the judges, she was the only woman judge, but... In all the cases of the other judges, they led uh, the armies to battle, and she did not. And apparently it was understood that that was not appropriate for a woman. In in chapter 5, it says, verse 12, this is the song. This chapter is the song of Deborah and Barak. Uh, we usually say Barak, I think. Uh, awake, awake, Deborah. Awake, awake, utter a song. Arise, Barak, and lead thy captivity captive, thou son of Obinoam. He was the one who did the leading of the army. So I'm, 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 I'm saying that I don't think that's a clear-cut case because uh, it, it, it is interesting that when there was leadership to be done, that a man did the leading. I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I see what you're saying. I don't know that I agree. You know, she was a prophetess and so forth. It does say that she judged Israel. It does say that the children came, children of Israel came to her for judgment. I don't, I don't see, I, I don't, I don't think we could. Pulled Deborah out of the line of judges and say that she was different from the. She, I don't uh, think she was, but she wasn't the only woman who was a prophetess. There, there were right. others in the Bible who were prophetess. Mm-hmm. God used women to. In reveal the first his, century, weren't there? Sure. Yeah, they had, and, uh, and so they, God used women to reveal His messages uh, to mankind. We have another call. Scott in Huntsville, Alabama, is on the line. Scott, thank you for calling. Hey, thank you very much. How are y'all doing? Doing good. Good deal. I actually have a question for y'all. Uh, we're talking about. Uh, of the, the woman being in the vice president's role and leading the country. But what I was wondering is if we could lower it down to a smaller scale of where I work, there are, uh, there are women that are over certain groups. And, you know, in these groups there are men and women. But my question is, is that is it okay for – for, for these women to be over these groups, even though there are men in them. Okay, Scott, I think two two questions. If you were a man and, and you had a woman boss, in other words, you, you've got this job and they appoint a woman to be the boss over you, I don't think you're in a, any, I don't think you're in any problem there. In fact, if, if Sarah Palin became vice president and then by some twist of fate became president, we would be, we would be commanded by God to be in subjection to her. Right. I don't right. think that's the question. The question is, could you, even in a, in a workplace, if you were the one, let's say you're the you're the high boss, right. and and you are you've got to appoint a supervisor, and there, there's this position to fill, and it's going to be a supervisor, and this supervisor is going to oversee 25 men. Right. I got to tell you, on the same on the same basis that we're talking all night long tonight, I would have a problem with. I wouldn't want to be the one who said to this woman. You take this job. You be you be the head of these twenty five men. I, right. I wouldn't I wouldn't feel comfortable with that either. Right. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, Obviously, Scott. Thanks for calling. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. The line is open now. We We're want to hear from time. you. We're, We're out of time. There's no. You can't call now. Let, We're out let, of time. Let me real quick mention other emailers uh, that emailed in. Stephen in Pennsylvania. 
He he referenced First Timothy two nine through twelve as being the important text as well. He thinks it might be different for a single woman rather than a married woman. I'm not sure about it. Uh, Nick in Michigan emailed in and suggested Proverbs 31 as a text. Somebody else mentioned that, right, the, the worthy woman, woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, virtuous woman of Proverbs 31, and she did business. She clearly was out there doing business. That might be a, a, a passage to look to. And then we got Rick in Plainfield, Indiana, who uh, says, my thoughts are, were she in subjection to her husband, and I am not in subjection to her. She is hopefully going to be assisting McCain since she's the vice presidential choice I always looked at it at this situation as pertains to the Lord's body and the husband is the head of the household. She's running for a governmental office. Um, I think that gets back to first Timothy chapter two, really. And really, I don't think we can take any consolation in that. She's the vice presidential nominee because there's a very real possibility. She could be president. You know, we vote right. for her. She could be president. You've got to ask the question, would you be comfortable with her in that role? And that's the question to be decided, Jacob. You know, guys, it's amazing. We talked for an hour about the presidential election, and we did not mention taxes, global warming, or the oil hey, I've got an, prices. I've got a position on all those questions. Oh, well, we didn't talk about them, and uh, you can keep those to yourself. They're really insignificant in the greater picture of things. We want to know what God's will is, and that's the most important thing for We've us. We've had a lot of response, and sorry we didn't get to read the full context of everybody's email. You can see that we got quite a stack of email, and we got more in our inbox that we didn't get to. We got Jack in, in Atlanta who sent us an email. Oh, wow, and, look at that. I, I see a whole bunch of I got uh, uh, another Nick. We got some Petrochkos. We got some of your family. Uh, we do. Yeah. Uh-huh. We Imagine got, that. We got an emailer from Indiana. Uh, Mike from Kalioka. We didn't get to him. We ran out of time. Well, thank you all for listening and your participation. We will review your emails. We will consider your thoughts. And we do hope that you benefited from your time that you spent with us tonight. Thank you, Anthony, for being a part of the program. Thanks for having me on. It was a good discussion and uh, a great topic. And I thank you for your time as well. Thanks. We enjoyed it. Look forward to next week's. And we do welcome. If you disagree with us or you agree with us, let us know in the next week or so. Let us know your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. All right, we look forward to being with you again next week on another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.